Hello, everyone. It's Rob here. And before this episode takes off, I'd be remiss if I did not uh, give a couple words about the passing of Tom Lyle. Um, at the time I'm recording this, he had passed away November 19th, 2019. And that was just three days ago. Died at the age of uh, 66, uh, far too young. And uh, I think I could speak for uh, Terry, Ryan, and myself. He was a big influence not only just obviously in the Robin issues uh, and the Robin character and uh, why we love the character so much was his initial art and uh, everything, but just uh, him as a, a person in a reading and looking at his artwork really kind of influenced what we liked and uh, appreciated in comics. Uh, the three of us will do a, an episode uh, talking about Tom Lyle, but I, I didn't want to let this episode go by without saying something since it was so recent. So I, I just wanted to wish the Lyle family all the best wishes, uh, thoughts and prayers, and uh, he will be truly missed. Rest in peace, Tom. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the batmanuniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the batmanuniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the Drake. This is George Perez, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes. Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 103. The show is, of course, brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman, whom is celebrating 80 years, and Tim Drake, that is celebrating 30 years this year. We're also partnered with Batman on Films podcast network at batmanpodcastnetwork.com you get a hold of us on all social media outlets at facebook.com slash everyone loves a drake we are on twitter at eltd podcast you can get a hold of us on instagram and you can email under the show at robin eltd podcast at yahoo.com like i said my name's rob and i sound uh, probably a little horsey i was at a hockey game last night and 
I don't know about your weather at the time that you're listening to this as of November 24th, the week before Thanksgiving, actually now the week of Thanksgiving coming up. This is a Sunday, but our temperature is going from like 50 to 30 to 40. So it's just playing with all the, you know, wonderful sinus drainage and everything like that. But hey, this is part two of our conversation and our recording session we did with uh, the wonderful Chris Clow. The previous episode, 102, was the Green Arrow issue 105 that uh, Robin appeared in. And now that story has bled into the Robin two issues. We're going to be talking about Robin 25 and Robin 26. So we're going to get right back to part two of that uh, discussion we had with Chris on these two issues and trying to find a way to segue into this on a somber note. It was just it really kind of hit like a ton of bricks as I was editing episode 102 to hear of the school shooting that happened at Saugus High School in Southern California on the 14th of this month. And from the information that I'm reading, uh, when that has taken place, the school will not be returning back to uh, regular school session till December. So we'll say it in this particular episode of just how how things like this are still going on i i couldn't even imagine the time that we were recording this episode and talking about you know school shootings that had happened in the not so distant news that there was something going on literally as i was putting the final touches on uh, episode 102 and i just remember being on my computer and then that news story popping up and i just end up kind of shaking my head of going, I just, no words could be said at this moment. So we're going to take a brief moment of silence and uh, I'm going to play a song to get us into uh, Robin 25 and 26.
Let's get into the two main books, Robin 25 and 26, and we'll kind of look at the two of these together. The cover for, you couldn't get two covers that are tonally different from each other, where Tim is just ready to rip somebody new, and you've got Connor Hawk holding Tim back on one side with Stephanie Brown's spoiler on the other. And then 26's cover is very somber with Tim at the gravesite. So what did you guys think about the covers for 25 and 26? Let's go to uh, Terrence with this one. You know, it's kind of cool because it's, you know, two things that actually happen within the story. And uh, it's Ringo's art here, so his is always fantastic. And Tim's hair is a little <laughs> ridiculous in 25, <laughs> but I kind of like it. It kind of kind of goes with the style of his heart, where like sometimes feet and hands and things are overdone. And I love the way Spoiler looks on 25. She looks really cool there. Uh, Ryan. Yeah, these these covers are cool. Like um, we've been talking a lot about about Ringo's covers, and and this one is like 25 is one where you want to read it because it's so in your face in terms of the characters reactions and you want to see like what what the heck happened in the issue and and 26 is like the opposite the complete opposite of that where it's so somber that you're that you want to know what happened in the issue too and and anytime you get a silhouette of or or just a figure shot of Tim Drake with the cape closed but uh, oh, the, with that. the shots of like the the black on the outside and yellow on the inside. I've, yeah, I always love the way that uh, that version of Tim Drake's cape would could do that. What do you think about the uh, covers, Chris? I think they're great. Um, I know that sometimes Mike Moringo is not for everybody, but I've always been a fan of him because 
he is so his characters are so expressive, mm, yeah. and uh, and I think that that really comes through, especially in the cover for twenty five. I mean, twenty six. It's a uh, you know it's somber and it's supposed to be, and uh, you know coming out of the last page of twenty five and going into the cover of twenty six, you understand why it looks the way that it does, but also it. Um, you know, creates a sense of anticipation for what you're about to read, which I think is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike Waringo had he, he has such a great pedigree of work, particularly on the Flash uh, with Mark Wade and uh, and the stuff with Impulse. Uh, I mean, he helped draw Impulse's first appearance and really defined the look of Bart Allen as a result. So. The fact that Weringo kind of went from The Flash and then jumped into Robin for a little while is pretty cool. And um, it's just a shame that he's not around anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say that. And I like how 25 starts off that this feels very much like, oh, you just you could literally just turn the page, close the book from 105 and open to this and feel like you're right in. Yeah. And it's it's set in as the event that is the main plot point has already happened that they are already trying to figure out what has happened. And I like how Ringo calls back his original art of Carl Rannick in the bathroom with Tim pulling out the gun and Tim not knowing how to deal with it. And Carl saying something like get real Drake, see what's happening to our school, all kinds of punks from Gotham are in here. And that his dad gave him this gun to be able to protect himself. So, you know, as I was prepping for this episode, wondering, you know, like how how are we going to talk about the the seriousness of this issue and just kind of looking at some stuff? I'm going to pull up a couple stats here. At the time that this book had come out, when 1996 had closed, there were 15 students that had died during uh, gun violence. And you jump that to 2018, there were 113. I think Chris and I had talked back and forth before the show that even some of these stats are still or sadly inaccurate just due to all of the things that are going on. So... This is one of those where art is imitating life, but I think Dixon does a really good job of not playing either side of it and letting you, the reader, when you get to discussions with Jack Drake going to Carl's dad and saying, hey, you know, my son has brought this to my attention and he has, Carl's dad is like, yeah, you're you're darn right I gave that gun to my son and you know how how is my son supposed to be able to protect himself and jack is on that opposite side so before we get into that i wanted to talk to you guys about the beginning of the issue seeing that spoiler connor and robin are fighting the group of guys at the start of it and dixon is always famous for saying he wants to start off the issue action and just the Two pages here before we get into what has happened at Tim's school. Were you aware in the very first page that the shooting had already happened? Or were you pretty much aware, like, oh, right from the onset, that this is uh, Tim and Connor going out to uh, find uh, Carl's killer? Uh, Let's kick this over to uh, Chris to start us off. No, I wasn't really aware of that. And um, this is... Look, this is always a, a tricky 
topic to touch mm-hmm. on for a lot of people, I think, um, especially now. In fact, probably now more than ever. So you can't help but sort of examine it in that context, especially looking back on it with everything that's happened over the last 15 years. Well, probably everything since Columbine in 1999. Mm-hmm. And really, though, this is a topic that I think is relatively well suited to the world of Batman because his origin, the Mm -hmm. the main character's origin stems from an act of gun violence. So how could it not be something that is intrinsic to the primary character's entire motivation for doing what he does, you know, to ignore that would be stupid. And, um, and I mean, Chuck Dixon himself—he's a guy who has—it's a well-known fact that politically speaking, he st- he tends to stand on the on the uh, the right side of the spectrum. He's a, a very publicly devoted member of the Republican Party, uh, so he doesn't consider himself anti-gun or anti-Second Amendment. But even he understands that this is something that's intrinsic to the world of Batman because Batman does not like guns. And it's a very natural reason why he doesn't like them. He saw his parents murdered with a gun. So he uh, sort of extrapolates backward. But then, you know, in this story specifically, Batman doesn't show up until the very end of it. Mm -hmm. So it becomes something that's more personal on the part of Tim and uh, and Tim's father and 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 Tim's father's girlfriend and um but it's handled in a way that does make sense and there are a couple of panels you know as it goes along particularly in the early going when he has his first sort of confrontation with Carl where you know in the the internal monologue once we start packing handguns in with our school books when you've got to be afraid of more than just failing geometry, mm-hmm. then Gotham Heights High is finished. And um, reading that is a very kind of somber. You come away with uh, some some deeper reflection, especially reading that now, considering everything that's taken place, even over the last year and a half, two years. I mean, right. that's not something that you want kids to have to be worried about. So the reaction and the conversations that are had at the beginning of the story, and and especially the one between Tim and Carl, I think is a very dramatically potent one for the for the story that that Dixon aims to tell here, and uh, and it's hard not to be taken along for the ride, uh, even through all of the fun elements. You know, when you have Spoiler and Connor and Robin mm-hmm. kicking the crap out of people at the beginning of it. Dixon does a pretty good job of slamming you right back down into confronting a very stark reality that was just as difficult and painful then as it is now and potentially even more so now. So it's an interesting way to frame it around an issue that is kind of at the heart of every adventure that happens in Gotham City when you really think about it. Right, right. Ryan, what's... Always fascinating me about about books like this is when when Dixon is able to take a character like like Carl Rank that has been like a background bully type character 
that you don't mm-hmm. really put much stock into and other issues that, but he's slowly would be like, you know, he would just pop up or be a nuisance or be a bully or whatever. And then, then he gets used in a big way like this. And these two issues, it's, um, it's kind of like an eerie kind of mirror, I think to the way that people would experience this in real life where like if you're in high school and then there is a somebody that brings a gun to school or if there is a shooting or something like oh you know i knew that guy or or i can't believe this happened and i think that's kind of interesting how he's able to again use just like the last issue use the tools he has in his toolbox but use them in a dramatically different way um to enhance the storytelling and it's always it's always interesting when, when comic books are able to c- kind of tackle these kinds of issues, and I think that's something that people kind of overlook these days. But it's sadly and eerily, you know, topical. And you even read things like I think I got to page four when when Tim starts to say things like, "Once we start packing handguns in with our school books, when you've got more to be afraid of than failing geometry, you know, has has it broken down this far, you know." I, and I'm like, man, this book was written like 23 years ago, and mm-hmm. where we and the problem is worse than ever. It's, it's, it's sad. Terrence, yeah, I was uh, taken aback by how relevant to modern times this seemed. And um, as Chris mentioned, you know, Chuck is very famous for his right wing views, but I didn't catch that in this book. I mean, it it didn't have an overly leftist like. We need to get rid of every gun in existence, but yet at the same time, I didn't feel like it was really that political, more more human, more of looking at the damage that can be done from guns. And I, there's this undertone in the in the story, or maybe it's not even that much of an undertone. Maybe it's just right out there, but it's it's something I give the comic books credit for, for putting in here because it might be something that editors would say, oh, no, leave that out. And that is this attitude of like the the rich or middle class, Tim Drake's rich, but the rich, you know, white students not wanting the African-American students in their school. Um, and that is something, you know, 25 years later that is still going on. You know, there's a lot of people who want our schools and the student populations to look diverse, but yet we don't live in diverse neighborhoods. We we live very segregated. So that involves moving kids to different schools and districts and busing kids. And even today, it's it's a um, very very big issue with uh, you know undocumented illegal aliens in the country, and some people don't want them to be allowed to go to school, and just some of the uh, horrible you know racism and prejudice. They've faced just, you know, coming to school with people feeling like you don't belong here. And uh, this is, it's kind of right out there. You see the African-American kids wearing the X hats, which were huge in the Mm -hmm. 90s. And, you know, the white kids feeling like they got to bring guns to retaliate. And um, it's kind of a awful situation, which, you know, a lot of, I I could see a lot of comic book editors saying, no, 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 don't go there. It's okay. We we can put a gun violence issue, but let's make it over something else, or let's make all the kids white, or let's make it, you know, two football teams, you know, of of mixed races who are fighting, you know, but this is like right out there. So uh, I give Dixon a lot of credit for that. And something that I, I really like that Dixon does here with Tim's characterization is he can have 
two sides to his personality, which again, I mean, look who his mentor is in Batman, but that Tim is struggling with the Tim Drake side of his persona and the Robin side of his persona, that he's bringing this issue, trying to figure out how he's going to present it to his dad and soon-to-be stepmother. And then once suiting up as Robin, his need to go out and just punch the whole entire world with his quote-unquote new best friend that he just met in the previous issue working alongside of him. And Connor is seeing a little bit different side of Tim Drake than he had previously. So I really found that very interesting that uh, Tim's conflict with, I wouldn't say his ideology, but more of what he's been trained to do and uh, a line that comes uh, later in 26. When you bring anger to a fight, all that you are bringing to that fight is anger. You're not able to see clear, which is what led Carl down to the road that uh, he ended up going through. But with this story, Dixon is able to put a little bit of levity in here with like on pages seven and eight, where they're meeting up the uh, gang that is playing basketball. And uh, Robin says, Arrow, stop the music. And it shoots the, uh, the boom box, which I thought was, you know, really kind of funny and uh, kind of broke that up. But you could tell that uh, there's a little bit more Batman speaking into this moment than there is the normal wisecracking Tim Drake. And I thought Dixon pulled that off very well. And then this is the part that, you know, you had mentioned Terrence uh, on nine where they're fighting back and forth. And then to add a little bit more, Stephanie Brown shows up and Tim can't help himself, but I don't know if it's something that Batman said, any chance that you can get to say Stephanie Brown instead of spoiler go ahead and do it. So when he's introducing Stephanie for the first time, he says, Steph and spoilers got to cover over his hand over his mouth and be like spoiler. So I liked those little moments, but then the flip that Tim is able to pull back and trying to get the uh, information out of the guy that they've got almost tied up. I want to say to, to the back of the, or I know he's tied to the post next to the dealer's car and they've got the, uh, the trunk up. So what'd you guys think about uh, Tim's characterization and his kind of conflicting on how how he's supposed to be the son and how he's supposed to be uh, the crime fighter. Uh, let's go to Ryan with this one. I mean, that's always the kind of one of the major cruxes of, of Tim Drake being Robin, especially in these early issues here. I just like, I love when spoiler spoils the issue and shows up and does her thing. It's, it's, <laughs> and it's, I just love seeing her interplay between Tim and Connor, and she she's like, "Well, who's this? Who's the new guy? <laughs> like, who is this?" <laughs> and uh, and I really love Tim's line about the the tooth fairy. I just imagine him talking in like a real New York accent, like, you know, "You're gonna be giving the tooth fairy a lot of business if you don't start talking." Oh, you know, I'm just like, man, I love that, and uh, and I love that Steph Stephanie uh, chuckled at that. <laughs> Terrence. Yeah, so the dialogue is amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little name dropping here. So so when we were interviewing Chuck Dixon personally, he said, uh, "What episode was that, Rob? I don't know. Uh, fifty one. Fifty one. Yeah. An episode fifty one. He said one of the ways he wrote the teenage character so well is he dropped all slang, dropped any kind of mm-hmm. references to culture, just just wrote them straight ahead, so that way they'd have a timeless character. Mm. And when he's talking to Carl, except for the, the ranks. 
<laughs> yeah, the rang. Took it yeah. right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> the rang. Took that rang right out of my mouth. All right. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, what's it called? Carl says, uh, I'm, I'm strapped, I think. And I read that. I'm like, yeah. strap? What? Come on, Dixon. And then Tim calls him out on it right away in the next panel. And I was like, oh, thank you, Tim, there. And I see that. And then he, he uses – he drops the term war zone. I didn't know if that was a Punisher reference or just as is. And I yeah. like – if you notice, Tim's jacket is very kind of reminiscent of like sort of the Robin costume a bit with the the green and the gold. Mm-hmm. And I for a second, I'm like, is he wearing his costume? Oh, no. And just it's – the artwork's just so good at how like – it's Tim's inner monologue, but like Carl's talking about students coming that don't belong in their school, but then those students are outside, and Tim kind of like looks at them in the mirror. So you've got like I love that double shot. image of each mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. And so I don't see what Robin can do about this. And then um, we see his dad with the the, the hot. Ther- was she a therapist or what was she? Yeah, that was his, her, his physical quote trainer. therapist. Yeah, yeah. Quote therapist. <laughs> that was his stepmom, and he Tim gets a big hug from her. Way to go, Tim! And then um, <laughs> yeah, the the stuff with um, Green Arrow is awesome because this is Dixon does a great thing here because this is like such a kid or teenage high school focused issue that it would be weird for Tim just having internal dialogue but it would also be kind of weird for him discussing this with batman like an adult it's cool that he's got two other teenage crime fighters that he can kind of uh Mm -hmm. talk about it here and yeah and the dialogue's great with the tooth fairy and the whole stephanie thing and then i think there's maybe it's not on this one but later on where she talks about like oh maybe i'm not interested in you anymore maybe it's connor you know so i, I and the called later boy wonder i think that's on page 15 so yeah pretty awesome chris i think it helps to sort of emphasize one of tim drake's most defining character traits which is his pragmatism he is caught in a very difficult situation but he at the end of the day wants to do Not the thing that's necessarily most satisfying to him, but the thing that will just end up being the right choice. And uh, the way that he tries to sort of enlist the two different sides of his personality is, uh, is a cool way to sort of illustrate the lengths to which he will go to try and make the right choice. Although there is a little bit of a shortcoming here just because... He also still wants to do it on his own, which is why I think he doesn't invoke Batman. But uh, might might have helped to to have Batman's perspective a little bit earlier on. But yeah. this is also a really good example of uh, this era of Tim Drake because he has, I think it's pretty safe to say, a more robust support system, especially mm-hmm. where his father is concerned. Yeah. Because, you know, over the next decade or so, especially after the point that he lost his father, he was very much kind of on his own. Well, what's uh, interesting is how Tim starts out with with almost nobody when mm -hmm. when the series starts because Bruce is gone. His dad's been kidnapped. You know, mm-hmm. you know, he mm-hmm. John Paul doesn't want anything to do with him, so he really is like a solo kid for a while. I and mean, then now we're 25 issues in, and you're right, Chris, he does have kind of this larger support system at this point. And then he ping pongs sort of back into having no, it takes yeah, a while, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. that's the, the point 
that he kind of gets back to. But he tries to make the best decision he can with the information that he has and with the perspectives that he can get from different people. And uh, and I think that that's a cool trait that Tim Drake has in comparison with other members of the Bat family. Bruce is always going to think that his judgment is going to be the best judgment in any situation. Mm-hmm. Dick Grayson is more prone to listening to other people, but he's still probably just as willful as Bruce Wayne is on some level. And uh, Jason is a little pigheaded in the way that he tries to approach problems. But Tim has a leadership quality that uh, that's kind of democratized in the sense that he tries to get other people's perspective before he makes a decision. And, uh, and that's not something you can say about a lot of other members of the Bat family. And I think it's on display pretty effectively here. And, Another beat that Dixon put in here in 25 is dealing with Tim having to tell his dad and then his dad going and confronting his dad. Now this all boils back. This could have, this could have been the incident right here, and this could have gone horribly wrong where Carl now has to face Tim and has the opposing conversation of, like, basically you narc. You know, I can't believe you did that. But uh, your dad took away my gun, but it's all right. I, I, so I took one of his. So now Tim has set this in motion where I don't know if it may have still played out the same way for Carl, but I think Carl is amped up at this point. And this, these next few pages that uh, close out this issue really remind me of uh, the new 52 Batman or Batman and Robin issue 18. That was that silent issue. These next couple pages, there's, there's no need for dialogue, but these last few pages say everything that I think uh, needs to be said here with the few preceding panels, trying to figure out where Carl is. He's supposed to be in this class and that's on the other side of the school while all this is going down between the jocks and the the gang members here in the uh, what looks like in the uh, the, the trophy room or the uh, of that part of the school, and then it's intermixed with the fight of Tim Drake just losing his losing all control here and is about to beat this guy to a bloody pulp, trying to figure out you know who the who the shooter was, and then the the end result is. Uh, a pretty powerful page that I thought is the death of Carl on the final page, uh, just the way that it's framed Carl on the floor and the, uh, the broken trophies and kind of symbolic too of Carl being the, the jock and there, everything that he mm-hmm. has worked for up to this point is just shattered in broken pieces. I thought was a, a really powerful way to end 25. So before we look at 26, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the conclusion of uh, 25. Let's start with Chris on this one. Yeah. I think that uh, your, your insight into the, the sort of shattered aspect of his life is, is a really effective point. I mean, it is, it, it, it's the kind of gut wrenching moment that, only comes from this sense of helplessness you know the the fact that this has taken place especially when he tried to do when tim tried to do as much as he could to try and avert this kind of uh this kind of result but it's still managing to take place i mean 
it's sad, but I also kind of think at the end of the day too, well, that's also Gotham. You know, mm-hmm. even if it's a high school, that's kind of well in character for Gotham. But it's also even more potent because this is a very stark real-world image of something that, you know, something very much like this has taken place in uh, not uh, an insignificant number of American high schools. And uh, and it's hard not to think of, of the, the sort of real-world implications of an image like this and how it strikes home and how it affects teenagers in in ways very much even even though robin didn't know at the moment that that he had been killed the rage i think is a very natural reaction for a teenager to go through when confronted with something like that even the possibility of something like that can drive kids into expressing themselves this way so it's a it's kind of a heart-stopping moment to end the issue and it certainly motivates a reader to see what happens next let's go to terrence yeah i mean it's uh definitely gives you the the sense of this is part one even though there's no like part one or part two in the the series and you want to see what happens next Carl is a terrible shot because they're standing like right across from each other. <laughs> and how does he mi- miss that guy? And if you look at the um, last page where Carl is laying there in the silhouette, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Wayne's murder. And we see that a lot where, where Batman's got like, you know, little Bruce is there with his p- dead parents and it's sort of like that spotlight circle around it. But there's like a footprint in the blood. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that was kind of like an eerie kind of touch to it i actually thought because um they were at such close range that maybe the guy he comes out to be little l or something like that yeah little l was maybe shot too and they'd find later on he was injured somewhere but that that doesn't turn out to be the case but yeah carl was never brought back by kevin smith was he (laughs) (laughs) the the blood on the bottom of the shoe was used to clone him somewhere or something so he might be the one comic book death that actually sticks yeah (laughs) Oh, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I just like that the the way that the, the story is framed. I mean, we do get the classic, we're in the middle of the action, and then you get flashbacks throughout the story, and then, of course, it all catches up at the end. And, you know, you could you could kind of guess where it was going, you know, with, with Carl bringing him to school. You're like, well, right. somebody is going to probably, you know, be shot at the end of this issue. And they, they could have t- taken it a lot a lot of different ways. But yeah, just to see that choice be made and to see that character get killed, I mean, it does make a pretty big statement, especially when it's in a comic book like this at the time. So yeah, I was very curious to see where they would take it after this. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. I I just love staring. I mean, take this the right way. I like staring at at any good comic panel and saying, you know, what what is the artist? What is Ringo and Dixon trying to, to say in this? And Carl's outstretched hand lays a gun and a, a football trophy. Both of those are now out of reach. The, the last thing that he held is preventing him from achieving his his next great thing in life. So it just just all that, as you guys were talking, I just kind of kept staring at that and seeing you know the outstretched hand of you know the quarterback or whatever it is on top of the trophy is kind of in the almost the same type of pose that Carl is here. So this was something when I, when I read this book, I felt like this was, 
a long month to figure out how this was going to go. You know, like you said too, Ryan, I believe that th- this could have gone a couple different ways. What if it was somebody like Ari? Can you imagine what something like that would have done if right. they would have taken taken a, a main principal character? If it was Ives or or something like that. So let's get into uh, our final issue tonight, Robin Twenty Six. We've already talked about the cover here, starting with you know the funeral and again Dixon. If he's not adding enough tension with there being a funeral at the school, you've got Ari and now Spoiler shows up. So Tim's worlds are literally like, I can only imagine what Tim is trying to go through knowing that, you know, he's at a funeral for a classmate and he's got his girlfriend in tow, but now Stephanie Brown is here. So his own thoughts of like, I've got to make sure Stephanie doesn't see me without the mask. And I like how Dixon wrote that in there, that that's, that's something that's on his mind as well, that I think with somebody else that that probably wouldn't have been touched on like, Oh, well, this girl's not going to recognize me at all because you know, I'm Tim Drake or whatever, but that, that thought's going through, but having Ari catch Tim staring at Stephanie and then Tim fumbling with that, with that answer again, while being at the funeral and then Tim having to take out all this rage of frustration at the school. I, again, I, if it wasn't enough to leave you at the cliffhanger of sorts on 25 with Carl's death, now to throw Tim right back in this where it's like, man, Tim cannot catch a break anywhere so what did you guys think of the opening of uh 26 let's start with ryan on this one yeah so i just was interested to jump into this and see and of course you know the first thing you see is a funeral and it's it's interesting that it kind of goes quickly from from recapping that to a you know one of your standard boyfriend girlfriend fights that that <laughs> that they have in this issue but the first thing i thought of was like whoa 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 didn't ari just like cheat on tim just a couple issues ago I, yeah, come on yeah. <laughs> so i was like well how does how's tim going to get out of this but then there's also also like the whole like well i don't know ariana you're you're kind of you're not innocent in this whole thing either and tim you know yeah, he could tell you he's Robin, but, you know, 80 more issues or something, he'll eventually tell you. <laughs> right. Jared's. All right, so as much as I liked issue 105 of Green Arrow and Robin 25, this issue I did not like. The cover is good. I like the cover. But this whole funeral thing just, oh, man, I'm going to pull, like, a Tom Drake here and go all, like, this is just not. <laughs> but what the heck does Tim see in this Arnie chick? She, she straight up slaps him in the face at a funeral because yeah. he, like, glanced at another girl for, like, just a second. He just kind of looks for a second. like, And then Tim, I mean, I know later on with Jeff Johns, they play him as some kind of genius, but he couldn't think of anything. I know. I was like, he's, I mean, but is that part of the whole thing of like, boy, he's, he's like the, you know, up and coming world's greatest detective. And he's like in Batman shadow and stuff. But man, when he's just Tim Drake, he sure doesn't know how to handle girls. Like, is that, (laughs) I'm like, man, by now he could, but that's always kind of one of his, you know, things that he gets tripped up on, even when he is Robin. Remember a couple issues ago, he's with Spoiler, and he just keeps messing up and keeps almost revealing his identity and stuff around her because he gets tripped up so easily (laughs) around girls. Yeah, It's like part of his character at this point, I think. 
And again, I know his secret identity now is the Drake, which isn't that <laughs> secret. But, I mean, he does wear a mask like she shouldn't recognize him. It's just kind of a weird thing that he freaks out when he sees Stephanie. And then he goes and uh, trains at the school, like boxes at the school. Like, I don't ever remember him before or since ever working out at the high school after dark. Like, he's got... The, You've got a the, bat cave. The bat cave. <laughs> and then also, I don't know if this you guys caught this, but if you look at the tombstone on page five, it's Denny O'Neill's tombstone. That's oh, kind of no. weird. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm looking at it. Oh, you see yeah, it there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little dark. Yeah. But anyway, I, I won't be the total Debbie Downer here. But yeah, this issue, I don't know, something was just off on this whole issue for me. And it's probably because I think Tim just needs to dump this Ariana girl and just get with stephanie brown and he doesn't and it just i don't know if somebody smacked me in the face at a funeral i don't know if i'd like <laughs> continue yeah. a relationship with that person because i as she says you glanced i think glance right what does he say yeah. let me get it straight here that girl the blonde you saw her and looked away so for that he gets slapped in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know oh i don't know should but, i have been leering a little longer yeah. <laughs> chris what do you got uh, I didn't care for the way that this issue started, to be honest with you. I mean, it seems like what he's trying to do is create a sense of tension that doesn't really need to be there, especially right. after the way that the last issue that. ended, you know? Um, yeah. So for me, this this issue doesn't actually start until page five, at least, at least in my mind. I mean, the... Stephanie being there, yeah, I guess it makes sense, but the tension, like, oh, no, I don't want her to see me, uh, along with the the fight with the with Ariana just seems a little ham-fisted for my taste. Mm. But I don't dislike the issue overall, because I think once it actually starts to deal with the, uh, the fallout of what happened and how Tim decides to conduct himself after dealing with the death... Uh, I think that there's a, a little bit more value in it from there. But yeah, not the most auspicious start. Tim's got to play catch up with being at the school and spoiler coming in and taking care of the guys that are there. And now he's got to track Stephanie down to figure out like, well, where where are we going? So I like their exchange. And, uh, you know, we're kind of... <laughs> The flip side on page 11 where Ari was upset now that Tim has a, a few more minutes to think about it. Now she's like, oh, you're the best boyfriend ever. Like like Terrence said, like she's almost bipolar in this moment. And you would have to think, like, regardless of what side of the fence you were on with the classmate, whether he was a bully to you or your best friend or just somebody you went to school with I, I i was with you terrence like did you just slap me at a funeral like do, do you not realize what we're doing i know you've only been in this school for two seconds but you know come on i do like stephanie and robin uh working this all out together and it took me till about page 13 to realize the green arrow just really kind of disappears after this and i was waiting for him throughout the rest of this book and I think it's before the last two pages, Connor Hawk is pretty much all but gone other than the little offhanded comment that Stephanie makes about, well, maybe I'm interested in him. When Tim finally catches up with the gentleman that is responsible for killing Carl, 
I think is where we really see Tim take a turn that if he's if he's not stopped, he could be going down a road that he he may not come back from. And it does kind of turn out to the three of us have talked before in the Robin book that, you know, how long can Tim get into trouble? It's like, oh, here comes Batman to save the day. In this case, I think Batman showing up in this issue to to save Tim from himself, I think, is the is the right play for Batman. And you would have to think that Batman has been watching all of this transpire the whole entire time and waiting for that moment. And he even says it at one point on the rooftop of like, you know, I thought we were friends. More important than that, I thought we were partners. And Tim's trying to justify why didn't I reach out to to the, probably the one person that can totally understand firsthand where he's coming from. So, what'd you guys think about uh, Tim catching up with Carl's killer and then Batman's entrance in the book? Let's start with Ryan on this one. Yeah, I think I mentioned this uh, earlier when we were talking about Batman. But yeah, I loved when Batman shows up, <laughs> just because it's it seemed it's it's kind of convenient, but it's also a pretty poignant way to, to end the uh the issue and i was just reading it and and it everything kind of comes to a head and then you just see the big shadow of batman come and i'm like oh man is batman gonna show up and then yeah of course you turn the next page and uh, again when batman shows up it's not just full-on batman it's mm-hmm. he comes out of n- nowhere and there's just you the you know fists and feet and then even then he's like still in shadow and then he just has the the eyes, and I think it's it's kind of interesting because that's almost played from maybe the perspective of of uh, you know the gang members that Batman's beating up. Like, oh, this is a big deal. This is the Batman, right? He's kind of in shadow. He's this intimidating presence because he just shows up and he tells everybody what to do, and they listen to him. And that kind of <laughs> shows you the kind of hold that or mystery or mystique that Batman has whenever he shows up um and my favorite part of the issue was was the very end of the conversation that batman and tim drake has you know anytime that they're able to interact or pass along wisdom that's interesting and it it's always really fun to re hear batman say things that he doesn't normally say but like i thought we were friends you know i thought we were partners i, I like seeing batman give tim drake advice rather than when, when he's just being like a-hole Batman, don't talk to me, don't do this, I'm Batman. You know, like, I prefer this kind of Batman-Robin interaction. Chris? I thought it was great. The rage that he feels uh, when he first catches up with the killer is totally understandable, but it clearly does take him in a direction that requires some reining in. And that's the thing that I think can be hard for some people to realize like if there are people especially when this was coming out who was who were only reading robin without necessarily reading the bat books and i don't think there were many people like that Mm -hmm. but for those few that were yes tim drake is the main character but he is also still a kid and he is still learning about how the world works and how gotham works specifically so it's going to be inevitable and natural for him to have to be guided, even in his own series. And maybe it happened a little too much. That's debatable, of course, in, in over the course of this monthly. But in this instance, it felt appropriate. And Batman gave him 
not even, as you guys alluded to, not a tongue lashing or anything resembling it, but he tried to make it a learning experience. And uh, and like Ryan, yeah, those are the moments that I probably appreciate the most. There aren't a lot of instances over the course of Tim's character history where it's justified for Batman to lay into him. You know, Tim is, for all intents and purposes, compared to a lot of the other Robins, Tim is kind of the good kid. And uh, yeah. and that that's and I don't mean that in a bad way or in like oh he's the good kid no I don't mean right. it like that at all I mean Tim is the guy who is probably the most dependable in several different ways of Batman's partners and uh, I mean there aren't a lot of instances over the course of their partnership where Batman and Tim come to blows and I can think of at least three instances where Batman has fought toe-to-toe against Dick Grayson. So the fact that this is characterized as a learning experience while also giving... Batman tries to give voice and perspective to a lot of the faceless victims of crime in Gotham, something that he has to be aware of if he's going to be effective at what he does. And imparting that onto Tim as a way to end this issue feels like the right call so even if the issue started off on a rocky note i was a a fan of the way that it ended terrence yeah like i said this issue seemed off on me going back again i you know i'm i'm team stephanie with the whole girlfriend thing so tim on the (laughs) roof and she's like touching his chin and i used to hate it when you said my name like dude go in that room like what are you doing (laughs) jumping off the roof for for back to over to the bipolar russian chick like what the heck and then she's like i don't know i I gotta pay more attention to see if dixon just has trouble writing female teenage characters or if it's just this issue he's off because both characters come off as really both both i mean stephanie and ariana they both come off as as very one-dimensional and just just not really good like on page 11 she's like still mad at him about the blonde you think i forgot about that blonde and he's like i don't even know her so she's mad because he looked at her at the funeral right and and was checking her out so then he's like then why were you looking at her and he's just like i don't know i was just looking and yeah i'm embarrassed you caught me and then they're like oh is she prettier than me no and then they hug so she's like his explanation of what he was doing was the thing she was mad she's mad at him for checking her out and he's like no 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 i was just checking her out oh that's it oh okay and then they're all back together I, i don't know the fight with the gangs was pretty good like that part didn't bother me but again i I felt it was like out of character for tim to all of a sudden be this angry at little l uh it just it just seemed it just seemed off i felt like tim would have been more angry at carl for bringing the gun in the first place and it's kind of batman who has to remind him at the end like hey you know carl made a decision to bring this gun and even if he didn't understand the ramifications of this decision it's kind of you know He's got to take some of the blame, too. So it just, I don't know, it just seemed off. And maybe that was the point of it. And maybe it's supposed to be Tim so out of character that this affected him and he's angry. And teenagers don't know how to deal with the anger sometimes and all that. But for me, it, it it just felt a little off. And what is the, I'm just looking at it now, the the big gangster guy. What does he have on his necklace here? Is it? D E A L Y or delay? Delay? Yeah. 
I don't I, know I, what that's in I, reference to. Yeah, I mean, I glanced at it briefly when I was like reading it, and I thought it said deadly or something, but now I'm like, dealy? That's his name. I don't know. That's, is it? Yeah, it's is probably it? his name, because it's not deadly. It's it's like yeah. dealy. I mean, who's, I'm on page dealy. 15. Who's dealy, sport? The king of the, he's the king of the Cranstons, man. Okay, so that's his name, <laughs> dealy? Yeah, okay. it's... Uh, Looking at the DC fandom uh, page, and this is his first and only appearance, and he doesn't even have a hyperlink to go read anything up on him. So I don't think he he probably will not make another appearance beyond beyond that. This well, is he, the most obscure character that they're going to include, <laughs> yeah, in right? Yeah, the next right. issue of Young Justice. He takes a <laughs> he takes a foot to the face on page twenty, man. Batman, like you see his teeth flying, his Punisher earrings are almost knocked out of his face. Like Batman, <laughs> and he, and he breaks the gold chain too with his foot. So yeah, but I did like twenty one and twenty. The coloring is it? Who does the coloring on this? Is it Roy? Um, uh, the coloring on yes, it's the, Roy. Yep. Yeah, how Batman and uh, Robin are like all in these shades of red, uh, and Batman's kind of talking to him. And and kind of um, I don't know. It's real fatherly. It's really good. The the words Batman are saying and the the interaction and so that part I I really liked a lot. And then the little like thing at the end next contagion. Which uh, did you want to announce now, Rob? That that's your next radio drama, or did you want to wait for later? <laughs> yeah, uh, the yeah. next radio drama I'm going to pull my hair out for is going to be <laughs> yeah. uh, contagion. And I've been making little notes over the last you know couple weeks of like how are we going to talk about contagion <laughs> darn you dc and your crossovers yeah uh, so uh, let's get some final thoughts on this uh, well, one thing i want to point out art wise and uh, dialogue that we've already kind of talked about on 20 where batman is like young l you will go to the ninth precinct precinct to turn yourself in for the murder of carl rannick he's like yeah okay and talking to uh, you young lady go home sure and robin i love the this, the long panel, just the eyes of Batman. You and I have a lot to talk about. I think that's probably before you turn the page, thinking, oh boy, Tim's going to get raked over the coals here. But like, you know, the three of us, four of us have been saying, Batman takes a little different approach with Tim where he's not being a hole uh, Batman. So I, I dug that. Uh, final thoughts on this three issue uh, crossover ish with uh, green arrow well, let's start with our guest chris clow on this uh, i like the story overall i thought that it was uh it was a nice way to broach a generally sensitive topic probably not as sensitive at the time that this was written as it is now mm-hmm. but um but still pretty interesting uh invoking connor hawk is is a nice touch like I said before, uh, instances where superheroes can actually become fast friends uh, is is kind of nice and refreshing to see at times. And Connor Hawk is a cool character, and so is Tim Drake. So why not put two cool characters together? Makes perfect sense to me. But um, I think it gives way to a to a nice moment of um, well, a nice lesson for for Tim to learn that uh, even if people are faceless to him, that doesn't mean that they don't have faces. And uh, that's something that is uh, is going to be important as he continues to develop himself as a, as a crime fighter. And at the same time, too, though, you see that he is a pretty effective leader in the sense that he helps to sort of bring these other disparate minds together to try and solve a problem in the best way that he can 
without the mask and with the mask. And I thought that it was kind of a nice little insight into the way that Tim kind of approaches those problems. So it's a it's a good story. I enjoyed reading it. I, I don't think I'd call it a blockbuster or anything. Right. No pun intended. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was enjoyable. Terrence. I mean, I, I kind of agree with exactly what Chris said. It's very enjoyable. Not one that's going to make a top ten list of greatest Robin stories. Uh, I was, as I said before, pretty shocked at how topical it still feels. If and 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 modern, all you needed the kids were have some um, cell phones and talk mm. about YouTube and you know uh, Instagram or something, and it would have felt like it was a 2019 story, which is sad, <laughs> you yeah, know, considering right. the things going on. But uh, maybe take out the the X hats; those are a little dated. Other than that, it was really good. And you know, the more I look at the cover of Twenty Six, the more just beautiful I think it is with the trees and the branches and the snow. And that's that's a really uh, really classic image. So yeah, this would be a good I think story to give to somebody who maybe wasn't really that much of a comic fan or someone who was just getting into comics and say, oh, I'll read this because it's not. It's not overly like laid with like all these like continuity things, and you have to have read mm-hmm. fifteen crisis books and know all these things and know about the Justice League and the Justice Society and all that you know. And and it's a um, very relatable story with you know teenage kids and and that kind of thing. So I think it it would be a really good story for a first time reader. Ryan, yeah, I think these three issues cover a lot of ground. Really, the way that they're able to introduce a lot of different characters and and go a lot of places but keep you know tim drake is kind of the the central character here even in the in the green arrow um issue and and that was a that was really refreshing to have kind of a new mm-hmm. um a new character to have tim play off of that's always interesting um whenever and and having tim interact with like other heroes that are contemporary to him isn't hasn't really been that common in the series so far i mean it's it's been more you know batman type heroes or or th- people that have been invented just for his solo books so to have a couple issues like this that that kind of go off that path a little bit was pretty interesting and i'm really interested to see where it goes from here because we're going to really start getting into stuff with with contagion and then uh, a little bit later with uh, with things like legacy so yeah yeah it would have been very easy for dixon to take the the easier route and tie it into gotham city totally and not even bring in connor hawk it would have been it wouldn't have seemed out of context at all for Tim to you know go check a Nightwing issue number you know twelve or sure. you know, whatever the n- numerical was that probably everything that he would have been saying to Connor would have been very easy to have Dick Grayson banter back and forth and get a different perspective that then Connor would have but the perspective still might have been more in line with how well Batman's going to approach it this way so. I'm going to kind of side with you here, but you get somebody that's totally out of Gotham City and has his own path that he's trying to deal with. And uh, I think the, the pairing worked really good. And it's uh, it's making me want to, like I said, right from the beginning, I don't have very many 
Dixon or just, you know, Connor Hawk issues at all or Green Arrow issues of this time frame. And it's definitely something if, uh, you know, this was binge worthy, I would probably be trying to start binging some of the Connor Hawk or Green Arrow and just see what other things Dixon was playing with in this uh, sandbox. So before we get out of here, I would like to uh, do uh, some plugs and uh, let's start with our guest, Chris Clow. What do you uh, have coming up on some of your future shows? And if anybody wants to get a hold of you and hear other things you have to talk about, where can they uh, hear your voice at? Yeah. Well, again, thank you for the invitation. It's always fun to talk about the Drake character that we probably don't talk about enough these days, at least in my estimation. But um, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Clow, C-H-R-I-S-C-L-O-W. I've got a new episode of Discovery Debrief, a Star Trek podcast coming down the pike this week, uh, where three of our four panelists and one guest are talking about the two new short treks that were just released. One was mm. called Q&A and one was called The Trouble with Edward. Q&A was pretty cool. It was Spock's first day on the Enterprise. We got to see what that was like for the very first time in, in Star Trek continuity and uh, brought Rebecca Romaine back as number one and Ethan Peck back mm -hmm. as Spock. And it was kind of a just fun 15-minute story. And then the trouble with Edward was weird with H. John Benjamin as a Starfleet scientist who's trying to cultivate Tribbles as a food source. And he talks about <laughs> how they taste, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> But then uh, we've got, like I said earlier, we've got an episode of the Comic Binge coming with uh, Michael Bailey along with me and my co-host Paul Herman talking about some one, one solid and one not-so-solid Peter David story. And those that show is, uh, of course, going to be on an ongoing basis, so check out the Comic Binge. And uh, other than that, occasionally I show up on the BOF podcast if uh, – Ryan sees fit to throw an invitation in my direction. It's always fun to to go on there. We talked about the we had. A, I don't know what the response was, but we had a lot of fun talking about Joker. Yeah, uh, people you know, really like really like those. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun episode, and seeing. Uh, you and Paul go back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I made that the cliffhanger spot. People yeah, like that. I actually out loud said, "Damn it, Ryan!" Like I, 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 I wanted a little bit, but. I was eagerly waiting, you know, that, that next episode. And, uh, yeah, that, that was a really great episode. I, I liked what you guys had to uh, say on that one. Yeah. It's always fun to yell at Paul and I'm sure <laughs> he loves yelling at me too. So yeah. Ryan, what do you got, man? Uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter at SME underscore Ryan. And, and of course, uh, keep up with the aforementioned Batman on film podcast. Um, uh, of course, it's on iTunes and everything else. And uh, it, the easiest way to f follow that show is to follow the Batman Podcast Network's Twitter uh, on Twitter at Batpod Network. And uh, don't forget about the still upcoming Azrael Podcast at Azrael Podcast. We really have actually been recording shows, but uh, we're we're trying to record them and bank them. So when I do release the shows. We don't get behind on the show, so uh, we're so we're still in the progress of uh, of getting that up up and going. So, <laughs> Terrence, I know you don't have a lot going on, but I thought every time I ask, maybe you'll surprise me once. Well, I just want to take a minute and say to our, the good friend of the show, Rich. I hope I hope you're doing better. I know yes. he's in the hospital for a little bit. 
Uh, he's probably our most loyal fan. I know when episode 100 came out, he had, which was about a three-hour episode. Am I right on the clock time on that really one? Really close, yeah. Yeah, he had he texted us saying that he had listened to it, I, I think twice. Twice. was getting yeah, ready well. to go for a third time. Wow. So that's <laughs> nine hours of us, so maybe that's <laughs> what put him in the hospital. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I think he was in the hospital saying that, and he was listening to it. So, Rich, we, we hope you're doing better, buddy. We hope you, you get well soon, and uh, we're all thinking of you. Yes, I, I amen to that. Yeah. Well, I think this is where we're going to end this episode. And uh, while I try and figure out how we're going to tackle contagion, on the behalf of Terrence, hey, how about this? Just one like twelve-hour podcast. Yeah, we should do. It. We'll, we'll just we'll <laughs> yeah. hit record and we'll just go through all of contagion. We'll just go right into legacy, and then I'm, I'll have five hundred episodes to uh, <laughs> to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the behalf of Terrence, Ryan, and our special guest, Chris Clow, this is Robin. You've been listening to the BatmanUniverse.net. And more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because... There are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Flushing hopes of today.